Welcome to the Whole Church Podcast, your favorite church unity podcast, probably. If you want to hear from pastors, professors, and everything in between, right, sure. And, you know, the occasional train talk. Right, right, yeah. Uh, have we got the podcast for you? Tiberius. Hello. Hello, friend. Wow, you sound good. You, t- you too, I guess. This is the first time I had to hmm? call you for the podcast. Oh, yeah, we should, we should do that intro stuff real quick so we can call, uh, Bishop Coulter, Brother Coulter, Brother Bishop Coulter, Brother Bishop Pastor Coulter. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to just keep adding names onto that. Um, so I'm your host, Joshua, and this is your co-host, Tiberius Wan, calling in from New York City. Yes, the um, the New York City of Campobello, South Carolina. Which just isn't New York City at all. Yeah. Um, so, it is Campobello, South Carolina. So we'll start this the way we always start this, I guess, by asking for money. <laughs> um, Please just send us money. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, no, um, unfortunately, if you're listening to this, I think it's too late for the first giveaway we wanted to do with the Kindle Fire 7. Um, unfortunately, we did not reach our goal of 21. We got to 5. But... I want to do more giveaways, so if anyone's listening and you're interested in joining the Patreon and you want another giveaway, give us some ideas of what we can do for a giveaway. Let us know what you want us to give away that's within reason, and we'll do another game of that and see if we can reach our goal next time. I think yeah. that sounds good. That, is that right? Yeah. Awesome. That's, a, that's right. That's about right. Awesome. And... You had a friend who, I think he messaged you on Instagram, you put it on your something on your story. Do we want to read that for our comment today? Um, Snapchat. Mm. Oh, Snapchat. My friend Josh Mahaffey. Yeah. Do you remember what he said? He said, uh, he said he checked out our podcast the other day and he thought it was pretty good stuff. Uh, he said he really liked the spiritual discussion and he would love to give his own opinion on some things. So. And, uh, I think... We we might try to make that happen eventually. Yeah, that'd be great. And I know, you know all people have something to say about church unity, and all people's opinions matter. So yeah, we talk a lot about the priesthood of all believers. So I I personally think it's important to treat all believers as equally important. Um, yeah. Also, me and you both commented on ourselves saying that we seem a little less organized. So I think we're going to work on that for everybody too, right? Right. Yeah, but that's also like a personal life thing, not just a podcast. We are just less organized than we used to be. So, that's some personal goals. If anyone wants to know what Joshua and Tiberius are up to in their lives, we're trying to be more organized again. It's like that uh, the Stephen Colbert to... bu- book, um, America, Rebecoming the Greatness That We Never Weren't. One of my favorite books. <laughs> it's hilarious. <laughs> oh, but yeah, uh, we have the privilege of calling Brother Coulter, who is the General Presbyter for the Church of God of Prophecy in the United States of America, which is a whole mouthful. I, I've known him for a large portion of my life. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I'll ask him in a minute, but if I'm not mistaken, I think he actually was the state overseer of Virginia when I was, like, born, and then we immediately moved to Virginia, and we lived there. So I've had him around pretty mm. much my whole life. I mean, not in- yeah, that's a good... Uh- that's a good reason to know somebody. I have to confirm with him. I think that's that's what happened. But, but yeah, I mean, he's not, not been a major part of my life my whole life, but he has always been there. Great guy. Awesome personality. 
very loving. I'll say he's one of those people who just accepts people because God made them. You know, it's like God made that person. They're they're worthwhile accepting. I'll love them. That's just kind of his personality. He's a really cool guy. So, yeah. Good afternoon, North American Ministries. Uh, yes, is this Brother Tim Coulter? This is he. How are you? I'm doing great. This is uh, Joshua with uh, Whole Church Podcast, and I have my co-host, TJ Blackwell, Tiberius One. I don't, I don't know well, if you know the hey, Blackwells. Hi. Good to talk with you. Awesome. Good Good to hear from you. I was just uh, trying to introduce you, I, and I, I couldn't remember. Were you the state overseer of Virginia when I lived there as a child? No, I, I, pastored, uh, I pastored in Roanoke for 16 years. Okay. And then I was overseer of South Carolina for five and a half years. Yeah, I know you were the overseer of South Carolina when I, I went to camp there. Cause, uh, right. I, my high school girlfriend, we, whenever, we all, y'all sat there and ate with us at camp a couple times, you and, you and your wife. And that was just a really cool thing. I was like, oh man, the state overseer stopped uh, to say hi and like knows who I am. This is weird. <laughs> Man, so what what have you been up to? Oh man, uh, this. yeah, mo- mostly this. Yeah, we put a put a lot of work into this podcast, trying to what's we have a catchphrase. It's uh, see the whole church whole again. So uh-huh. that's sort of what we've been up to is just going around interviewing different professors and pastors and seeing what they think about how we can better accomplish church unity. Good, it's, good. Yeah, so what what prompted this? Man, I um. So I did a podcast a few years ago, and then I, I stopped doing it because I lost my mic, the, uh, the mic that we were using it for, and it had been about two years since then, and I wrote something on a blog that I kind of do about mm-hmm. how that that's why we stopped doing the podcast is because I didn't have funds for it. So someone sent me a mic, and I was like, well, I guess I should do this again, and then you know, I was just praying about it, and I was like, man, what's something... What's something that's worth talking about? I was like, I don't feel like I have anything worth talking about. Everybody else in the church does. I'm like, that's just it. Everybody else in the church has something worth talking about. Let's get them together. And that just kind of yeah, how it came to be. Just interview the whole church. Yeah, all of it. <laughs> well, good. Now, are you guys still in college or have you finished? Um, I, I'm still in college. Yeah, he, he's still in college. I kind of had to take a break. I, I went for a few years for nutrition, and then I went for a few years for Christian leadership and couldn't make up my mind what I wanted to do, and I actually got in a really bad accident, which kind of put me out of everything for a year, so I'm still kind of, I'm finally bouncing back getting into college. I think I start this fall, I'll be back, so. Okay, okay. Yeah, I got like a semester to finish up, and then I'll be done with that. Well, good. So are you guys planning to pursue ministry, or what? what's your focus? Um, I think my plan is to kind of, I, I want to pursue ministry, but I also, I really want to be like a a religion professor, I want to go to a public school and teach, you know, like intro to Old Testament or some or intro to New Testament. They have both of those, and I was like, I think it'd be a good ministry opportunity in the colleges. So uh-huh. that's what I want to do. I am a he's going. I'm to a biology major. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully one day I'll, I'm going to work with uh, the SpaceX company, and I'm going to live on Mars. Wow. <laughs> that's kind of, yeah, that's that takes a, a whole new meaning to go into all the world, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's gonna yeah. preach the gospel to our world and then Mars also. <laughs> well, you know, Billy Graham said that the next wave of evangelism will be marketplace evangelism uh, rather mm. than big crusades. So we need good, good men and women in uh, in all fields. That's good. 
I actually did not know he said that. That's that's a powerful statement. Where is that in one of his speeches, or is that in a book or something? It's in some some document that he had written. I can't recall offhand if it was in a book. Um, I've had quite a bit of engagement with um, uh, the director of the Billy Graham Library. Oh, yeah, that's mm. right near where I live. I, it's a beautiful, beautiful library. Yeah. Um, you ought to go there and talk to, um, his first name is Tom, and I'm trying to remember his last name, but he's he's the head of the library, and he worked directly with Billy Graham in his crusades for a number of years. Wow. Uh, wow. But, but he made... I remember him making that statement about uh, about Billy Graham and what he had said. I'll have to look into that. I like reading anything I can find from him. He was a very spiritually in tune man. I'm trying to think of the right way to say that. He, I, I think you know. He's certainly I mean. one of the most influential men in the you know in the twentieth yeah. century. I think anything that can be said about Billy Graham has been said about Billy Graham. Yeah, probably so. Yeah, He's a great guy, amazing man. But yeah, um, so. We actually, we like to do these kind of silly icebreaker questions before we get into the real questions. Uh-huh. And we've been saving a special one just for you. Man, what are you talking about? <laughs> we, we'll, we'll answer it first so you have some time to think about it. So the okay. question for this one is, uh, if you had to design a billboard about you, like advertising yourself on a billboard, what would that billboard look like? So I, <laughs> <laughs> so I have... I put some thought into mine, and I, and I think it it's kind of wacky. It would have to have Gal- Galatians five one, my favorite Bible verse, will have to be on there. And mm-hmm. I'm thinking it would probably be that a picture of like the whole church, like logo that the podcast we've been doing, and then uh, underneath that Anazal Ministries because that's that's the ministries I I kind of want to pursue as I'm doing this. And then uh, I'll probably have something just the word freedom or something written, but written with little sea turtles. Yeah, just like images of sea turtles, and uh, I'll hide the number forty-two in a blueberry pie some somewhere in the corner just to catch people's eye, you know, just <laughs> just something odd like that. Well, you're probably much more yeah, detailed than what I'll be in, in response to that question. Yeah, it, it sounds like uh, the billboard oh, itself is ADHD. It. Mine's just scattered, and I was like, you know, I'm I scored. Uh, they, they gave me the ADHD test at the doctor, and I was like, yeah, you got triple ADHD. So I was like, yeah. Mike could be as scattered as I want it to be. No one can say nothing about it. <laughs> oh man. Well, uh, Tiberius, uh, what's what's your billboard looking like? Yeah. Oh, my billboard. Well, it'd be a lot less. Uh, uh, mm, I don't know. It would just be me standing there playing ping pong, <laughs> and uh, probably with like a QT sponsored shirt on. Your big cup, <laughs> your one hundred ounce cup. Yeah, just my my big cup is somewhere back there. Yeah, yeah. But that's that's pretty much it. Simple billboard. The background is Mars, right? Uh, the background is open to interpretation. Okay, all right, that's fine. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, brother Coulter, or do you, do you prefer Bishop Coulter? You can call me whatever you want to. All right. Well, all right, uh, whatever you want to. What does your billboard <laughs> look like? <laughs> do what? Do what? I said, all right, whatever you want to. Uh, what does your billboard look like? <laughs> if you want to keep it informal, my name is Tim. If you want uh, whatever you want to do from there, it's fine with me. All right. All right. Uh, go with Brother Coulter. 
Yeah, that that sounds. That just feels natural. What's All right. A, so what's a, if you had to design a billboard about yourself, what would that billboard look like? Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, if I was uh, if I was designing a billboard about myself, I think you would see this uh, stream of running water, and then it settles into a just a still a still water of a pond. And you can see a clear reflection. And the heading of that would be reflecting the heart of God. Wow. wow. That's sort of been uh, the motto for, for my wife and I now for a number of years. Wow. That's, sounds that like sounds like a, a very good billboard. Yeah, it sounds, like he's had a, it sounds like he was the one who had a long time to think about the question, and <laughs> we were surprised. <laughs> oh, man. That's, that's powerful, though. So what's um? You said that's been your motto for a number of years. What what brought that to fruition in you guys' lives? Well, actually, during my uh, my years in South Carolina as the overseer, that was the theme of our convention one year, reflecting the heart of God. And um, I gave everyone a little uh, a little mirror, a round mirror that they could just carry in their pocket, along with their change, and they would pull it out occasionally, and uh, it would be a reminder to reflect the heart of God. So. As my wife and I have been talking about that through the years, that sort of stuck with us. And, you know, Stephen Covey, um, one of his principles of uh, living with impact, living an effectful life, he says, begin with the end in mind. And so um, in, in my conversation with my wife, I started talking about uh, what I would like on my tombstone. And... Everything we talked about, and, and for her too, everything we talked about ended up coming back to this very thing that we hope it can be said of, of us that we've reflected the heart of God. Wow. That is a powerful thing to think about, like what, what's going to be the last thing said of you, you know? That's... Yeah. Um, yeah. Wow. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I'm trying yeah, to find a... ima imagine uh, imagine that you've died and you get to listen in on your own funeral. <laughs> what, what's going to be said? Oh man, I yeah. don't think Hopefully. I want to be there for that. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So, I'm, see, I'm trying to find a good segue now because that was that was just so powerful. And I'm like, oh, okay, now I want to go back to some. <laughs> oh man, but yeah, what? That's something to think on. That's something to reflect on, if you will. Oh, so you are the general presbyter now, is that correct? Right, for North America. Okay. See, I've been saying for the United mm. States, but that includes, uh, for you, that would be Central America. Well, not Central America. Would that, would that include Mexico still? No, for, uh, for our purposes, that includes the U.S., Canada, and Bermuda. Oh, Bermuda. Bermuda got added to that list. So, uh, yeah, I've been doing this now for about five and a half years, and um, I work directly with 26 state and regional overseers who gives oversight to uh, a little more than 1,700 churches in North America. Wow. That's, that's fantastic. So with that, does some of the, you know, whether or not the church is at peace or whether or not people feel dis, not disunion, not, what, or, uh, you know, they feel more, less united. Do people kind mm -hmm. of put, put that on you? 
since you're the leader, do people like, oh, well, the church isn't working together because it's your job, or... Well, it tends to come back to that. It's, it's sort of like a, uh, you know, a football team. Um, if they're not having a winning season, the finger always gets pointed back to the coach and, instead right. of the players on the field. And, and, you know, that's part of the responsibility. Um, of course, uh, I'm a little further removed from that. Pastoring is really where the rubber meets the road. But hopefully we'll set a climate and an atmosphere uh, that will um, uh, that will move us toward uh, a united front. So does that um does that pressure is that do you feel like that's rightfully placed on you or do you feel like that's a an expectation people just kind of like pass on because they don't want to take responsibility for their own part in keeping the church united? Well, I think we all certainly have to take responsibility. Uh, uh, every Christian has to assume that responsibility, um, endeavoring to keep the unity of the faith. Uh, however, Paul talks about in Scripture that uh, he felt the burden and the weight of the church work that he was overseeing, the churches that he had planted. So, uh, you know, some of that just comes with the territory, yeah. and I'm I'm willing to accept that. So, so it's a little bit of both. So one of the actually one of the main reasons we wanted to have you on was I, I was looking through the Church of God of Prophecy's statement of belief, partly because uh, one of our the podcasts we ran with a couple of my old professors from Charleston Southern, he was talking about how a lot of people don't even know what the statement of faith is for their denomination. So I, I was going back over ours. I read it before, but it interested mm-hmm. me going back over it. It uh, part of the statement of belief says we believe in the oneness and ultimate unity of believers for which our Lord prayed. And that this should be visibly displayed that the whole world may know, see, and believe God's glory. And it's one of those where I, it spoke to me because like, wow, that's that's what we're doing. We're we're out here trying to do this unity thing, and that's part of why the Church of God of Prophecy exists. I mean, if I look at the statement of faith, and that's our purpose, right? Sure, absolutely. And and that is not necessarily an ecumenical unity that every Christian is going to. Uh, uh, to come into one particular denomination or church movement, uh, Paul talks about the unity being in Christ. He says that that he will gather together in one all things in Christ that are in heaven and earth in him. And so our, our unity will be in Christ, but I think that can be very visible as we begin to live in harmony with God and with one another. Yeah. So not <laughs> so we're not saying everyone needs to change membership and be part of the Church of God of Prophecy. Not at all. <laughs> no. <laughs> all right. <laughs> but um, actually, before we go on, uh, you know, I, I don't expect you to read the whole thing, but do you have? Do you think you could break down what is the statement of faith for our denomination? Just kind of summarize it for us. Yeah. Um... I have it here in front of me, as a matter of fact. Awesome. Uh, really, it's um, uh, sort of the evangelical uh, statement, it, for the most part, um, as far as believing in one God, uh, eternally existent in three persons, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And, you know, we believe in the sinless nature of Christ, uh, his death, burial, and resurrection, 
uh, that he's coming again. We believe in the virgin birth. All of these things are uh, are held uh, in uh, e- evangelicalism. Yeah. Uh, we also believe in uh, sanctification, uh, subsequent right. following salvation. We believe in spirit baptism. Uh, as you talked about, we believe in this this unity of believers, and we believe in the Bible. In fact, our, our covenant uh, for church membership is centered on the Bible, that we'll accept it as the Word of God, believe and practice its teachings, and that we'll walk uh, according to that Word. Yeah. Now, I'm like 99% sure, but just to confirm, uh, Church of God of Prophecy's belief is the Bible is both inerrant and infallible, right? Absolutely, yes. Oh. Cool. So, um, with the... So, is there a... Go ahead. Yeah? Oh, well, with that, uh, we believe in sanctification, uh, I was going to go ahead and ask, uh, is that, that act, sanctification, is that ongoing? Is that something we have to continually strive for? Yeah, our our roots in the Church of God of Prophecy uh, are in the Wesleyan uh, tradition, from the 18th century, and Wesleyan, uh, the Wesleyan movement, uh, Charles Wesley, uh, John Wesley, uh, practiced and, and taught uh, an instantaneous work, which is what we have adhered to, uh, as well as an ongoing um, progression of maturity and growth in the Lord. In fact, in fact, Wesley describes it as uh, being filled with a perfect love toward God, um, this deeper relationship, and so we live our life out of response to that to that love. You know, it goes back to the two basic commandments: love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength; love your neighbor as yourself. And uh, I remember many years ago there was an old time preacher who said something that, for many, was a little controversial, but uh, if, you, if you really gave it some thought, it made sense. He said, fall deeply in love with Jesus, and then do anything you want to do. But the whole premise of that is, when, when you are not just trying to adhere to a, uh, a list of do's and don'ts, but you have totally surrendered your life to Jesus, and you you love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, then that love governs your your words, it governs your actions, your self-will, your your pride, your anger, because all you want to do then is please the Lord. Yeah, well, that's like, um, I, I know I mention this almost every podcast now, so I, I just got engaged, and that's where my mind kind of stays. Yeah, yeah, I'm really excited about it. She's great. But, uh, and my, my mind just kind of stays there. And I'm thinking, you know, love. And I'm like, you know, I love her. So what I want is her. It's not like I don't want other people, if that, that makes sense. So, you know, when I'm thinking what about the statement you just read or quoted, I'm thinking, yeah, that, that makes sense. If you love Jesus, you you don't want anything else. You want to do what pleases Jesus. Absolutely. That's Absolutely. A, I think that's a really good way of looking at it. What interests me, I mean, sanctification is already sort of a topic of, controversy you know a lot of people believe it's one-time act a lot of people believe it's ongoing and we kind of bridge the gap of both um 
And I think what's interesting I, on our site, the Church of God of Prophecy website, I was looking at sanctification, and it said sanctification, like salvation, ultimately spans the entire life of the believer. What interests me is the like salvation. So it's something that's... Are we saying salvation is also a one-time thing that's then ongoing, or what, what do they mean by that? Well, the experience of salvation, that Christ's experience, is certainly instantaneous. But it could be said that you are saved, but also that you are being saved. Uh, scripture says that in, in so many ways, for example, it says, Now we are the sons of God. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. So we're moving from, from that moment where we're adopted into his family, we're grafted in as a son and daughter of God, to where when we see him face to face, then we will be like him. So it's, it's this, this maturing process, this growth process. In fact, the writer of, the writer of Hebrews, uh, talks about the sacrifice of Christ, that it was an offering once and for all. No longer would we need the blood of, of bulls and lambs and the sacrificial offering of blood being shed. Through Christ, it was shed once and for all that he might uh, perfect forever those who are... And, and it, the Greek word uses a, a presence, present tense to those who are being sanctified. And then there are other times in Scripture when, it, when at the beginning of many of Paul's epistles, he'll write to, to those who are sanctified. So we are, but we are being. It's, in theological terms, they talk about the tension between the already and not yet. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, he, uh, he is already Lord of all, but he has not yet put all things under his feet. So... In that same context, we already are sanctified, but we have not yet reached our full growth and maturity in Christ. Yeah. I know it's, um, I've heard it explained through a metaphor before by one of, one of my mentors, Ken, Ken Hagerman, and I'm sure he stole it from somebody else. He said, it's like um, you're drowning in an ocean and someone gets to you to save you. Once they get there, you have that initial, I'm going to make it kind of like reaction you realize it but you're still in the process of being saved until he gets you to land exactly and that's exactly that's right and and because of that that there's uh of course the difference between calvinism and armenianism this in our wesleyan yeah. uh, tradition uh, you know we we do not adhere to the fact that uh, uh salvation is uh, is secure and can never be lost. The, as as they would say, the the uh, preservation of the saints, yeah. uh, because we could let go of that lifeline. Uh, it is a con it is a continual process. Uh, you know, I was when I was, um, and this is many years ago. Uh, I was watching the news one day of a of a plane crash in the Potomac River back I think this was back in the early 80s. Yeah. Most of the people were uh were killed on impact and there were just a few survivors in the water. And I remember this one passenger, he was in that cold icy water uh, clinging to the debris from that 
from that aircraft, and there was a helicopter hovering overhead with the lifeline. And you could just sense the struggle that the survivor had in letting go of what was keeping him afloat to reaching for that lifeline that could bring him to safety. Yeah. And that that's a hard transition for some people of letting go of some things that that they feel like they're keeping their head above water, you know, holding on to those things. But to really reach for the gospel of Jesus Christ, that that uh, that lifeline, that uh, eternal life. Eternal life, you know, it doesn't begin when we die. That you know, that at that trans- transition, we now move into eternal life. That begins at the moment of salvation, but it doesn't reach its culmination or fulfillment until that time. So it, again, it's that tension of the already and the not yet. Yeah, that. that. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, I'm thinking of, and I don't want to get too into, you know, is drinking a sin or not? I know that's a whole argument people like to go down, but I think everyone can agree. People who are drinking just to kind of stay afloat, what you were talking about, that kind of stuff, or anything that just kind of keeps you basically sane. That's a really hard thing. For, I think everyone agrees that that would be a sin. You're relying on it instead of God. And that's a really hard thing, I think, for people to give up. To reach out and that's that's the first thing that came to mind when you were talking about it. I was like a lot of people rely on that kind of stuff just to get by in today's world it's a crazy world out there yeah I mean it can be alcohol it can be uh, you know any addiction it can be uh, any any type of relationship that we just cling to to keep our head above water it could be money it could be employment uh, and we we put our trust uh, the trust that should be placed in Christ, we put it in something else. So the process of salvation then, the initial, you know, you are saved would then be when you let go of that to reach out for Christ, but then it keeps being a process until you've made it home safely, and in this case, home being heaven. I think so. So I, I think it's it's accurate to say that I am saved, but it's also accurate to say that I'm being saved. That makes a lot of sense. Mm. Now, I know, see, stuff like this, we, we've touched on a lot of stuff. You know, Calvinism and Arminianism, we've touched on, um, you know, salvation. I mean, sanct- salvation, sanctification, is it a process or is it a one-time thing? There's a lot of different things like that that, you know, little arguments. And not, not you know, necessarily within a denomination, but within the whole church, a lot of these little arguments, people seem to get hooked up on. And that kind of keeps us from unity a lot of the times. Is there... Is that just always going to be a problem? Is there a way for us to just overlook it? I mean, we have to think about these things, right? Sure. I, I think it's important to, to think about them and to, you know, our faith is never static. Uh, this whole idea of walking in the light the Scripture talks about is a continual movement. And uh, I think where we do get in trouble is when we feel like, you know, well, now I have all the truth that I need, so I'm just going to, fasten down the hatches, and everybody has to agree with me. Um, but I think it's, it's, a, it's a growth process where we're constantly walking in the light as he is in the light. And uh, he, you know, that's one of the works of the Spirit is to lead us and guide us into all truth. Now, what can happen, I think there's a, a right forum for those discussions. Yeah. But Scripture repeatedly cautions us about getting tied up in and drawn into these 
meaningless debates that just stir up strife and and they don't edify anyone. Uh, and so it, it weakens unity. So I think we have to be careful about that, not just to not just to debate for the sake of argument. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. So then um, I'm going to go from there and kind of backtrack a little bit. Just my last question goes back to my first question. Um, okay. The the church and part of the statement of belief is we believe in the unity of all believers in Christ. What is uh what is the church doing? To kind of promote that unity is is our church specifically the church of god of prophecy are we doing anything as a denomination to promote that unity across barriers or well you know i think some of it uh, uh for that unity to be realized uh i don't know that uh at least in its fullness it's something that any man or any church organization can uh can drive that yeah. Uh, that is work of the Spirit, um, and it's it's in response to the prayer of Jesus in John 17 that we may be one. But I think in response to that prayer of Jesus and in response to the work of the Spirit, as we are aligning with Him, uh, that there are certainly some things that we can do uh, to give expression to that unity. For example, uh, the Church of God of Prophecy. Uh, is very much a part of the PCCNA, which is the Pentecostal Charismatic Churches of North America. Um, and in this uh, in this fellowship, uh, every uh, every major uh, denominational movement, Pentecostal movement, is a part of this in North America. Yeah. Um, and. Uh, I've been privileged for the last two or three years now to to have a seat on the executive committee. So uh, the Church of God of Prophecy uh, is eager to to have have that kind of exposure uh, in the larger kingdom ministries. And I think for for many years, and this is a sad indictment for us, but I think in a lot of our circles uh, there was a sense of inferiority. Um, that we weren't, uh, maybe we weren't as as large as other movements. Um, at one time, maybe we weren't as educated. Uh, but a lot of that has has shifted, and, and quite honestly, right now we're not the largest, but we're definitely not the smallest. We're we're really in the middle of that group. Um, we're we're cozy. Yeah, <laughs> and academically, the church has uh, over the last. 10, 15, 20 years uh, has just made great strides in, in education. Um, so this scholarship with spirit, I think, is something that the Church God of Prophecy models well. Uh, we look for opportunities to partner with uh, with other uh, kingdom ministries, uh, with our sister organizations. For example, one partnership that we're um, we're cultivating right now is with the Church of God, uh, a group called Men and Women of Action, um, response teams to uh, to um, areas in crisis, uh, mostly weather-related crisis, or churches that have no means to uh, to maintain their buildings, and how can we come alongside them and help? We're we're joining in partnership with them on that. 
we have strong academic partnerships. Um, and then, of course, on the larger scale, this unity, I think, is expressed in groups such as the, uh, the NAE or the National Association of Evangelicals. Um, on local levels, you have pastors who are involved in local ministerial associations. Uh, we, have, we have churches that are uh, active in local outreach beyond the walls of their church. Let me just tell you about one of them real quick. We have a church up in Ohio that um, the pastor went there a number of years ago. He felt, felt led of the Lord to go. I think his first Sunday he had about 12 in attendance, a small church. But he felt like reaching the community, and uh, he did that through, uh, through feeding the community. And so they do that on Sunday mornings. Folks don't have to come to church to, to be fed, but they're, they're invited to come. That ministry has grown so that now on any given Sunday, they'll have about four to 600 in attendance. Wow. Wow. Most of their, their church only seats maybe 250 to 300. So they have speakers on the outside of their building. I've been there to see this myself. They have speakers on the outside, and their whole church church campus is just filled with people. And he's, he's preaching a powerful gospel message. Uh, there are miracles that are taking place, salvation. Uh, it, it's a phenomenal thing of reaching the community. And in that, uh, uh, in that particular instance, uh, the city of Akron, Akron, Ohio, has taken note of what's happening and uh, have been expressing an interest in providing for them a larger facility because they're they're doing such a a work in the community serving the needs of the people so I think these are some ways that we express this unity of of love of service and I, I think as we move forward uh, one of the greatest expressions of of our faith uh, you know, it's it's sad that if you ask the, the average person what they think about Christians, who are Christians, uh, they see us as people who are against everything. Yeah. You know, they'll, they'll go down the list of, of what we're against. And, and I think we're going to see this movement toward uh, serving people. Jesus said, I did not come to be ministered unto, but to minister, to serve. The, let, whoever's going to be the greatest among you, let him be your servant. And so as we reach out into, uh, into our communities and partner with uh, larger kingdom ministries in serving the needs of mankind, I think that's going to be a powerful witness of, um, uh, of unity. Wow. So as we all strive to show servitude, that's when we're going to see the most of you. Um, yeah, I think that's when we're most like Jesus watch pastor gary atkins i know you know him he was on the very first episode of this and that's exactly what he said in order to find unity we all have to try to get closer to jesus so yeah um yeah and and i remember a, a sermon that a, a former general overseer preached many years ago billy murray oh yeah I know. and he he was illustrating that uh, he had on the platform he had something there that was uh, representative of christ and and he had people from different directions walking toward whatever it was that he had representing Christ. And the whole visual idea was the closer we get to Christ, the closer we get to each other. And so our, that's, that's why Paul said to the Ephesians that our unity is in him. It, it isn't some, um, 
uh, organizational or denominational unity that everybody's going to come to us, we will all come to Christ. That's why he said, Paul said in another place, that he created in himself one new man. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's powerful stuff. So for the, the people listening, what's something, as soon as this podcast is over, that they can go and do to serve like Jesus so that we can all be more united like that? Is there something you could think of that's just practical that they can just stop and go do right now? Sure. I mean, what, what did Jesus say? He said, I was, um, I was sick, and you, you came and visited me. I was in prison, and you came into me. I was naked, and you clothed me. Uh, just giving a cup of cold water to someone in the name of Jesus is a simple expression of, of Christian love. It, it doesn't have to be a big thing. It, you know, people can't say, well, I don't have enough money to serve, or I, I don't have enough time, or I don't have the talent to serve. I think it's something that we can all do if we just open our eyes. Um, what, what did Jesus, there was one passage in the Gospels, I believe it was, uh, where it says that Jesus saw the multitude, and by looking, then he was moved with compassion, and he ministered to them. And I think that same process has to happen, happen with us. We have to open our eyes and beyond ourselves, beyond our own needs, and see the multitudes. What's going on in, the, in this world? How can we serve people? And then, uh, let, let me give you a, a, a great example, and this is of my father. My father was, was a key leader in this church for many years, and um, he retired and still wanted to serve. And so, of course, he always loved to, you know, to fiddle with cars, but he made up some little business cards just, just as a retired minister, made up, made up a, a business card about uh, his detailing service. And he gave that card to the widows of the church, and at no cost to them, he would take their car and detail it for them, wash it and wax it and keep it looking nice. And uh, without, without an expectation of, of any money, of any, uh, any accolade, of any recognition, just serving and I think that's what uh, that's what it is to uh, serve like Jesus, empowered by the Holy Spirit, serving like Christ. It's, uh, it's powerful stuff. Man. Yeah, if only everyone was more like that. You know? Yeah. In fact, you these know, days I, most people aren't willing to give away anything at all. No, and for I, I any reason. In, in reaching the uh, the millennials and younger generations, I think there's such a heart to serve. You know. Most generations today aren't concerned about sustaining an organization and keeping the, the machinery turning. They want to be a part of, of touching people, of changing lives. And uh, you're going to be hearing more about the Church of God of Prophecy stepping into this serving role. It's going to be a predominant theme for our next assembly. Oh, good. Looking forward to hearing about it, man. That's, yeah. that's awesome. Um yeah. The last thing we do, if you if you have time, we'd like to we'd just give everybody a God moment of we say a God moment of the week. So just something that's you know God's done that we can give Him praise for, or something He's challenged us with in the last week, and um, we just like to share that with everybody to kind of wrap it all up with that. It's um, yeah. <laughs> TJ, did you have anything for this week? Uh, you know, you should go first. 
I should go first. Because yours are always better. Yeah. <laughs> I um. So I babysit my fiance's dog a lot, and it pooped in the floor again. So I had to spank it, and it whined, <laughs> and it crawled in the corner, and it was scared, and it was like, oh, I don't know what to do, and it was like 10, 15 minutes later, and it was still just in the corner over there. So I picked it up, and I was loving on it, and next thing you know, I caught myself, you're such a good girl, and I'm like, oh, man, that that's, God does that all the time to me, where he, like, he, he chastises me, and I'm like, oh, man, I'm so lowly, and I don't know what to do, and then he's like, I still pour out my blessings on you, you're still my child, and I'm like, wow. God treats me so good. That's the truth. That's the truth. Well, you know, I'm I'm thrilled yeah. to get to see this image of Christ in a new generation. Uh, of course, every every grandparent loves to talk about their grandkids. And um, just this past weekend, I had the chance to be with my grands for a day or two. Well, I have eight grands, but was with a portion of them. Wow. And. Um, uh, Grace, who is um, uh, soon to be 12, was telling she was so excited um, about serving um, this particular Sunday at church. She was supposed to be serving in the nursery, and she came out of that telling me uh, all she got to do for those little ones. <laughs> and then today, she she FaceTimed, and uh, there's. Uh, uh, someone that's been a friend of the family for many years that uh, she got married and now she's pregnant and grace is taking some sewing classes and so uh, she was showing us the material that she went and bought and she's making a quilt for this new baby and uh, then during nice. this visit while i was there um she had taken a cooking class and so she wanted to make a homemade peach cobbler for me and she made it from scratch i mean they weren't she didn't use canned peaches or anything she had to go buy the peaches and peel them and do everything and she just has this heart of serving and and i see that at 12 years old at 12 yeah 11 years old i see it in her it's not about what you know everything doesn't revolve around her Uh, it's how can she serve and help others and, and I'm seeing that more and more in this new generation. So I'm very encouraged about the future of, of, um, of Christianity, the future of our church, as I see young men and women stepping up not to be served but to serve. Wow. That's a fantastic God moment. <laughs> yeah. So I think mine, uh, my God moment of the week probably comes from, uh, well, this past Sunday was my birthday. And uh, as such, I spent, thanks, I spent a good amount of time, oh, happy birthday to me, I spent a good amount of time with my sister and her son, because, you know, got to spend time with both, but uh, it was, it's so odd to see how children react, he's 15 months old, Uh but uh, everywhere we go, he just is friendly, looks at everyone, says hi to everyone, says bye to everyone he knows way more words than a 15 year old should but uh he's always very friendly and uh i think it's going to be kind of interesting to see where that kind of stops because it does stop eventually you know this a lot of people these days are very cynical about pretty much everything so 
Yeah, it's nice to know that we aren't born that way. That's true. It's just that's true. Yeah. And you know, the reality is people will condemn Christians for a lot of things, but the Bible Paul talks about in Galatians the fruit of the spirit, you know, love, joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness, faith, temperance. And he says, Against such there is no law. You know, that it's hard for someone to to argue with or fight against love and joy and gentleness and goodness. And I think that's where Christians really have an opportunity, again, I hate to be so repetitive, but to reflect the heart of God to a lost world. Man, that is, that is good stuff. It brings us all the way back around. It's a nice rounded podcast with uh, back to the idea of reflecting God. Man, that's, that's great stuff. It was an honor to have you, Brother Coulter. Hey, I've enjoyed the conversation. Thank you so much for your time. Yeah. You right. guys have a great day. All right, you too. Appreciate you. You too. I appreciate what you do. Bye-bye. Right. Bye. So, uh, Tiberius, did you want, mm, yeah. you want to start wrapping this up? Well, uh, I don't have the closing notebook in front of me, but uh, make sure you follow us on uh, literally everything that exists. Yeah, Facebook, uh, Instagram. Please consider supporting us on Patreon. Let us know what you think would be a good idea for the next giveaway. Yeah. Or to talk about on the podcast. Or someone to talk Just... to on the podcast. Yeah. And um, yeah. comment on the iTunes or Google Play or write one of us on Snapchat or Instagram or Facebook or literally anything. We're just looking for feedback that we can share on the podcast and also you know improve ourselves with. We want this to be... Reflective of God, as Brother Coulter was saying, you know, we want to reflect God the best we can, and I think uh, part of that is to pursue perfection. So anything that we can fix, we want to fix. And what else? Good stuff. Yeah. Follow us on everything. Uh, subscribe please. on everything. Yeah. If you, uh, if you have any your own God moment of the week or just something you want to tell us, again, uh, feel free to email us at. Uh, is it whole church? Yeah, the whole church. The whole church. Not the whole church at podcast. Just the whole church. Yeah. And some future guests. We have Pastor Kenny Hibbert coming. I've been saying Tim Coulter for so long that it's like I'm tempted to still say Tim Coulter will be on soon. Yeah, um, but uh, T- Tim Coulter will be on uh, this episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> in case you skipped to this part. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which, which is fantastic if you did. <laughs> Um, Pastor Kenny Hibbard, we have hopefully Donald Wheaton at the end of the summer to one of my favorite authors. Um, we have, I actually, I don't, haven't told you this yet, but near the end of the summer, I'm talking to Sister Rose from UNCW. She is a Catholic nun who loves body surfing. It's just an interesting fun fact. She's one of the most oh. down-earth friendly people I know. So that'll be exciting. You've told me about her before. Oh, yeah. But I actually contacted and her. And we've so. got uh, Dr. Wireman, oh, yeah, a, yeah. An, an associate dean at North Greenville University. Oh, and Dr. Brother Baker. Dr. Brother Baker. And, uh... More. Wait, we'll be on the... Wait, no. Don't say that. And <laughs> Francis Chan. Yeah, of course. Uh, at the end of season one. He just doesn't know it. Right. And 